stage it was slash billy gibbons rick nielsen peter frampton daryl jones from rolling stones kenny arnoff on drums i mean it was the like so star-studded and i'm looking around i'm just laughing <laughs> yeah we're probably of the same generation you know that wild is the big guitar hero of our kind of yeah. era and then years later be like it's just zach the coolest <laughs> thing to me about that is exactly what you just said mm. but also the fact that like when I have a question about something, I can even go to him. You know what I mean? Like, that is so cool to me. And I could I could ask him stuff like, hey, man, did you ever listen to this record when you were growing up? You know, like, it's surreal. Wants me to go down. Wants me to go down. It's almost as if it was like a little warm-up for me. I go, do 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 so I was sitting there and I was doing this. I remember I had a songwriting session with two friends and I started to do that while we were talking. And my friend Devin goes, what are you doing? I was like, ah, it's just like kind of like a, a little kind of riff. It feels like you've heard it a million times. And we start, he starts singing over it. And he starts singing that first line. When you love me, it feels like. And with that song too, it like kind of just came out of thin air. None of us really thought much of it. And then we played it for friends and everyone was like, What's the song? What's it, you know? And people were freaking out about it. So that made us really excited. How's it going, man? Good, dude. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. It's- man, you got the vibe cooking over there. You got the candles going. <laughs> I love it. I, I have a party trick as well. I do have uh, two cameras. So we okay, can... This, uh, is the, this is the most uh, well put together... <laughs> interview i have done yet and i mean that in a really really nice way <laughs> thank you man um, brother. so i'm here with uh, jared james nichols thank you very much for joining me jared thanks for having me man uh i hope you're having a great day i am glad to be here it's cool. Uh, so I always like to, to kind of start the show off by you know going into the origins of a musician um so what what kind of first made you want to become uh, a musician that's a that's kind of a, a tough question actually because music i feel like like most of us has been in my life since as early as i can remember mm. so i always remember loving what my parents were playing on the radio right whether it was like classic country stuff or classic rock even before i had like aspirations of playing i knew like every lyric to every led zeppelin pink floyd song on the radio and there was this transitional time when i was probably 14, 15, where I was trying to figure out like what I was going to do. You know, my friends were getting into music. It was either like music, sports. And I said, I'm going to be a drummer. I'm going to play the drums. But uh, the drums were way too loud for my house. So (laughs) I ended up getting a guitar, not thinking too seriously about it because I was like, "Eh, everybody plays the guitar, you know, seemed boring at the time. But when I picked it up and I learned my first riff, it was like I found everything I was looking for. And it, it, it hit me just like that. I mean, from the moment I learned the first riff on the guitar, I knew that this was, I never thought I would be a professional musician, but I thought I'm gonna be doing this forever. I think everybody growing up always has that kind of 
that first band they always connect with, you know, it's like their band at that point. Did you ever have that kind of that moment where it's like, this is my band? Oh, yeah, man. I think the first big one, especially when I started to play, was Black Sabbath. Mm. That was my band. Like, I had, I don't even know where I got it. I just had the CD. I didn't even have the case for the p- record Paranoid, but it had all the classics, obviously Paranoid, War Pigs, Luke, mm-hmm. all these songs. And I remember saying to myself, I was like, this is it. So for hours, hours and hours, I would sit there. I didn't even know how to play the songs. I was just trying to play along and figure out where the notes are. And uh, that was the first one where it was like, this is my band. So of course the the brand new self titled album, which is out now, of course, uh, it's your your third album. Uh, in my in my personal opinion, I think you know it's a, a big step up from from all of your previous releases. Um, I believe you recorded it straight to tape, didn't you? This time is that a first for you? Yes, that's a first and definitely not a last. Um, there was and thank you for the kind words. You know there was something about when I was getting in the headspace to make another record. I loved my previous releases, but I always felt like there was this energy, there was this spark that was missing that translates in the live show. Mm. And with this record, I thought this is a perfect time for me to try and chase that, try and find that. Do do you think doing it, you know, live, well, it was all all in one room, isn't it? Kind of, well, next door to it being that that kind of capturing that live essence that helps that transition because it does feel like there's a lot more energy there and it, it as, as you say there i think it can it conveys your your kind of live performance a lot better this time around Absolutely. there's there's something that in the modern this sounds funny but in the modern world of recording mm. i've always found that when you're trying to perfect things and you're trying to make things line up perfectly on a grid or tune them to be quote unquote in tune, Mm. you lose a little bit of that human touch and recording live and straight to tape. It's definitely not for everyone because it takes a certain, a certain performance and you really have to know what you want to play. Even if you're a fantastic musician, there could be times where you're like, well, I don't really have everything mapped out. But with this release, we went in with a game plan and it just, we knew instantly the first song that we cut for the record was My Delusion, which is the the kickoff track on the record. And after we cut that, we walked into the control room and we listened and we all looked at each other and we were like, this is, this sounds pretty pretty, you know, fiery. Like mm. there was something about it that I heard for the first time on my recordings. And truth be told, I just got really excited. So we kept chasing that. We kept chasing that feeling on the recording. And mm. um, with that in mind, did you kind of look to approach the album differently this time compared to your previous releases? I definitely did. Yeah. Um, you know, on previous releases, I was writing music and a lot of times collaborating with people, but there was never truly a clear vision or end goal with Mm. this record. I knew that I wanted it to be as simplistic as possible. Guitar, bass, drums, my vocal. I wanted to write songs that not only fit me as an artist and and kind of where I want to go in my lane, but also songs that could stand up on their own and really really fit into that mold of tracking live almost as if it was like the blueprint for like a rock and roll record and 
there's something about that that I had never done before. And when I kept pushing on that and and saying, okay, when I'm writing these songs, it's like, I got to think I'm not going to be writing, you know, six guitar parts or, you know, we're not going to be overdubbing keyboards or this or that. We went in with the mindset of like bare bones, guitar, bass, drums, voice, take these songs and make them punch and as much explosion as they can. It's interesting with particularly with recording to take because I've had a few musicians on and they all say a very similar thing. They all go, oh, you know, it's that uh, when, when they've compared to digital, um, it's almost too perfect digitally. Like there's kind of, there's the beauty in the mistakes, you know, it doesn't need to be perfect, perfect, you mm-hmm. know, it becomes almost robotic at that point. And I think, you know, with, with your album in particular, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's got that rawness there. I think that's um, really adds that extra energy. I think that you get live from you. Yeah. there. I remember when I, on the last record um, and even doing demos after I remember working with different musicians in the studio, especially doing demos and stuff. Mm. And they would say, okay, yeah, that was good. I'll, I'll fix it later. <laughs> and I'd be like, fix it later. What do you mean? That's how I want it to sound, you know? Cause as a musician, um, you know, I've, I've really, really uh, done my best to find how I want to play and how I want to speak. And, you know, it's obviously going to be a work in progress forever, but there is a certain element where you say, well, that's my style, you know, and someone goes, oh, I'm going to fix that later. Or they say, you know, we get to the next chorus and they go, yeah, we'll just fly the first one in. So literally what's happening is you're just getting a repeat of a section. And I think that to me, Music's more personal than that. And every line that you sing, every guitar part that you play, it's very personal. And when someone kind of manufactures music like that, it almost feels like we're playing a game. It's it's not as if, you know, it's like, let's walk in that studio, like three human beings, someone that's working the tape machine. We're not even using a computer and let's see what we can do. Because trust me, if we would have walked in that control room and it wouldn't have sounded the way it did. I, I, I would have been the first one to say, okay, we, we need to, we need to do something different. But the fact that we went in with that honest approach and it worked, it just, I was so happy about that. With the, uh, the singles down the drain and, and hardwired. Um, can you talk a bit about those songs and kind of maybe how they came about the meaning behind them? Absolutely. So starting off with hardwired, that is a song that I actually, I wrote about, a year and a half ago with two of my friends. They're um, in an amazing band, Tyler Bryant and Graham Whitford from Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown. And we were hanging out here in Nashville. That's where I'm based. And I was at Tyler's house and I had that riff on the intro that and I was just playing that on a guitar at his house. We were thinking about writing something and Graham who his primary is playing the guitar. He's a fantastic drummer. So he sits down, I didn't even know he played drums. He sits down and he starts going, you know, he starts jamming along. And I was like, whoa. So Tyler had all these ideas. He goes hardwired, like let's write a song called hardwired. I was like, let's go dude. So within, I would say 20 minutes, we had the whole bones of that mapped out. Tyler was on the bass. I was on guitar, Graham on drums. And it was just really, really cool because with that song, it basically just came out of a jam session, like an old school way. It's hard to come out with songs, I feel like, sometimes that feel inspired or truly original from a jam, because sometimes you, you know, you start to 
get in a very repetitive motion. But with that song, it just really came out really fun. And by the time it was written, it was like there was no labor. It was just like, oh, there it is. That's the song. And when I brought this song to the band and to our producer, Eddie Spear, in the studio, it took on a life of its own. So the whole intro to that song, there's this you know, crazy psychedelic guitar part going into this like, you know, shreddy bits on the guitar. None of that was planned. That was never planned in the studio. Basically, I started, I went down by this pedal I have, it's called a Univibe, and I slid up the guitar neck and I went, whoa, 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 and I started to spin it, da, 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 da. and um, then I stepped on my Wawa. And all of these things, I just kind of did them spontaneously. And what's really cool about that, like that intro, is that's the beauty of recording live into tape. It's like, that was the take. And with that, we went right into the song. And the recorded version is super powerful. And if you even listen to that recorded version, we are playing loud. Like you can hear the the instruments, even in the recording, they sound loud. Like you can tell everything's really turned up. I love the way that one came out. It was super fun. And with Down the Drain, that was a riff. I remember for about, I would say, a year, that little intro guitar line was stuck in my head. It was almost as if it was like a little warm up for me. I go, do, 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 do. So I was sitting there and I was doing this. And I remember I had a songwriting session with two friends and we were just sitting there kind of talking. And I started to do that while we were talking. And my friend Devin goes, what are you doing? I was like, ah, it's just like kind of like a, a little kind of riff. It feels like you've heard it a million times. And we start, he starts singing over it. And he starts singing that first line. When you love me, it feels like. And with that song too, it like kind of just came out of thin air. I feel like the best stuff I do comes like that. Whenever I really have to push on something, a lot of times it's too much. It it's, There's something that is like an organic, like the songs just come out of somewhere. And I feel like that's a really special thing. And when it happens, I just ride it. So like Down the Drain, that was another one that, that we wrote really, really quick in an afternoon. And none of us really thought much of it. And then we played it for friends and everyone was like, what's the song? What's it, you know? And people were freaking out about it. So that made us really excited. Mm. It's interesting because, you know, you hear a lot of musicians where they, they'll put out like a really, well, they'll, they'll start making a really great single, like they'll either record it or whatever, they'll go home, they won't make much of it. And then like a couple of days later, if they show a friend or, or the, uh, uh, you know, the producer or whatever, um, they're like, what is this? This is crazy. Like they don't seem to realize that they've got like. Yeah. And you'll laugh at this. I remember I didn't, he sent our, our friend that also wrote on it. It was, uh, his name was Aaron. He was on the computer. He sent an email with it, right? I like didn't see that email. So like a week later, I'm on tour and these people I work with start calling. They're like, dude, I just heard that song down the drain. And I'm like, you did? I was like, I haven't even heard it. So by the time that I heard it, everyone that I was working with was already head over heels for it. And man, I am laughing because I'm like, well, I'm, I'm glad they like it because I hadn't even heard it. So it is funny how that happens sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, with your uh, your signature uh, single pickup that you've gone for there, um, you know, it's not a it's not a common setup. Um, I've only seen kind of a few guitarists go for it. Of course, Joe Perry being being one of those. And um, what what's the reason behind that for you? 
Well, it did. A lot of it came from Joe Perry being a big influence on that. I remember Joe Perry borrowing me when I was a long story short. When I was living in Los Angeles, a single pickup Les Paul, and I was like, whoa, this is awesome. But the true inspiration of that comes from a guitar player named Leslie West, who played in the band Mountain. And he played uh, a Les Paul Jr., which is, it's essentially like the student model of the 50s Les Paul. It's like one piece of wood. It's got one pickup on it the most simple electronics and everything. And it's just like kind of a pick up and play. And I loved his sound. I love his sound. I love his approach. And there's something about less is more. And I don't mean it like by notes, but as far as like the tool you have to create, it's like a single pickup guitar. It's almost like if you look at it like a tool, it's like it's a it can be a really, really good hammer that can do a ton of different stuff if the user is willing to work with it. And I often uh, describe it as no two people sound the same. The way that I would pick it up compared to another player, they would have a totally different feel. It almost forces you to strip away the, okay, where am I going to switch what pickup or, you know, my, my whammy bar. It's like, I don't have that. I have strings, I have a volume, I have a tone knob, and I have my imagination. So where am I going to take it? And it's really fun because it just forces you to play in a way that's a little more primal. It's a little bit more like you're not going to rely on switching that pickup or doing something different. It's like it's you, your hands, your ears reacting. And I remember when I first started to do it, it made me really excited, you know, messing with those guitars because it also gave me a different sound. There was a really, it's a really punchy, there's something about a single pickup. It has a different tone, it's focused, it's clear. And I just loved it. And when you turn it up loud, like you're playing a show, there's nothing like that. Just hitting a big chord, just having it ring out. I just love that. Mm. And it's interesting, I mean, obviously we don't see many out there that go for that. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's really cool that, you know, you, it essentially helps you create your own sound mm-hmm. um, in many ways. Um, yeah, definitely, man. It's a, It's been a huge piece of the puzzle for me as a musician and an artist. Mm. Um, I mean, this may play into the next thing, but um, you have a bit of an unconventional kind of playing style. You obviously don't play with a, play, with a pick. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a reason behind that for, for ditching the pick? Yeah, yeah, actually there is. So here's the thing about um, not playing with a pick. I'm a lefty. So when I'm doing anything, writing, eating, drinking, whatever, I'm a lefty. So when I first picked up a guitar, it was a righty, but I held it like a lefty. And it felt really comfortable. It felt comfortable in this hand, like, okay, I, I, you know, I can understand the picking, right? But when I got my first real guitar, it came with a guitar lesson and the teacher said, hey man, you gotta flip your guitar. So I'm like, okay, so I flip it like a righty and then he's like, here, and he hands me a pick. He's like, you gotta use a guitar pick, you know, every every uh, famous or every professional guitar player, you know, you get good by using a pick. And I was kind of like, all right. So I tried to use a pick for probably, honestly, about a year trying to learn, but I always felt like the easiest way to put it is like my motor skills for picking. Like I had a friend that could go like bum 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 bum. You know what I mean? And I was like dun dun dun. I never could really. I never felt comfortable with it. 
So I was thinking about it and the guitar styles that I grew up on and that I love to this day are super bluesy, either, either like traditional blues stuff, blues rock. I love country. I love jazz. I do love heavy metal. But as far as what I play, it's not really too aggressive on, you know, speed picking. So I started to like hear all these guitar players like Jeff Beck, rest in peace, Mark Knopfler, Albert King, Hubert Summon, all these different guitar players that didn't use a pick, Derek mm. Trucks. And I started to go, these guys sound really good. So I started to mess around with it. And what I found like overnight is I was like, ooh, I love this. Now it took a long time to develop the calluses and to develop, you know, you know, I don't use my nails, I just use the flesh. But when I stopped using a pick, the biggest thing I had was I started to feel comfortable and feel like myself playing guitar. And no one taught me how to play without a pick. I just started to, you know, I was one of those kids that played guitar for thousand hours a day as much as humanly possible and i was just developing it on my own and the funniest part about it is it was so personal to me i never thought that it was going to become a staple of my style or anything like that but what happened was when i moved to los angeles years later you know i'm playing a les paul with one pickup and no you know no pick <laughs> and people are going you see this guy, he's got like a single pickup Les Paul and he doesn't use a guitar pick. And then I, this one time I was like at Guitar Center, like one of the first times I ever got recognized. Guys like, hey, you're that no pick guy. And I was like, <laughs> I guess I am, man. So that's the, the long and short of that story is uh, simply put, man, I'm a lefty and it never felt right when I was playing a right-handed guitar. Mm. It, it's interesting because, you know, obviously you see over the years, all of these musicians, they have, uh, what could be classed as uh, not the right way of playing or, you know, they're doing it wrong. I mean, obviously the most famous one, Jimi Hendrix, you know, he put his oh, thumb yeah. over. Um, and, you know, you see, I mean, I've heard stories from other musicians where they're like, uh, they get a teacher in and he's like, you're playing it wrong. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. there's not, there's not like a set way. And I think that that kind of contributes to your own style and your own sound. Yes. And I always say to anyone that, um, you know, I, I did a thing uh, just a few days ago at a school where I went in and with the kids and I was showing them how I play guitar and I jam with the students and stuff. It was amazing. And they asked, why don't you use a pick? And I told them, you mm. know, there's certain things that every individual has that makes them unique and that that is special to them. And this was one of those things for me that was just unique to me. So I kept developing it. And I always say if there's something about your style or anything that you do that is unique to you and it feels like you mm. continue to do it and develop it because that's like life the coolest you know innovators were doing things their own way you know they were they were true to what they did but they did things that felt right to them mm. um uh, of course you know you've toured or, or and or played with uh, the likes of zach wilde glenn hughes steve Vai, joe bonamassa billy gibbons peter frampton leonard skidder okay. i mean ugh. <laughs> um, looking back, uh, have you got any kind of uh, personal highlights or, or something that you look at and you think that was surreal or cool? I mean, I'm reading this list now and this all seems surreal. <laughs> Honestly, man, so many. I mean, there's been points where like, I I'll look over, like, I honestly, I'll, I'll look at stuff that I've done or I'll be on stage with someone, you know, like, and I'll go how did I get here? You know what I mean? Like, truly, like, like, I feel like I won the lottery. I've been so lucky to play with like almost all of my 
heroes, you know, and and not only play with them, but become friends with them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's weird when your heroes turn into friends, you know, like Zach Wild, like I call Zach dad, basically, because it's like, I remember one of my first shows ever was watching Ozzy with Zach. And then I had a uh, Zach Wild poster on my wall when I was a kid. <laughs> now I call him every day and we, you know, it's like, it's just crazy to me how, how lucky I, I got through hard work and dedication, right? But the reality is too, the one common thread and like one of the coolest things ever is hanging out with these people, whether it's Billy Gibbons or, you know, Peter Frampton or these guys. And they're such sweet people and they're like you and I, but mm. once it's time to hit the stage, it's like game face, like Bonamassa, man, coolest cat. You're sitting, hanging out, smoking a cigar, whatever time to hit the stage. It's like, he turns into the lion. You know what I mean? It's really, really cool. And I mean, I have so many amazing stories from just tours or jamming together. I remember one time I was on stage. It was Slash, Billy Gibbons, Rick Nielsen, Peter Frampton, the uh, uh, Daryl Jones from Rolling Stones, Kenny Arnoff on drums. I mean, it was the like so star studded. And I'm looking around. I'm just laughing. Yeah, crazy. You know, so I've been very lucky to do a bunch of awesome stuff. Yeah, I mean that 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 must be particularly surreal to go from having the guy on your wall. I mean, I I mean we're probably of the same generation. You know, Zach Wild is such a huge. You you know, he's kind of the big guitar hero of our kind of era. Um, To have that on your wall, and then years later be like, it's just Zach. Yeah. The coolest thing to me about that is exactly what you just said, Mm. but also the fact that like, you know, like Zach, like, it's almost like when I have a question about something, I can even go to him. You know what I mean? Like that is so cool to me. And I could, I could ask him stuff like, Hey man, did you ever listen to this record when you were growing? You know, like, and he's like, yeah, man, you know, it's surreal. It really Mm. is real. And like you said, then it goes from being like, this guy that you had a poster on your wall to like a friend and you're like, wow, you know, we're a lot more common than you. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's a really cool thing. Mm. Speak, speaking of that, have you ever had, you know, for, for, you know, aspiring musicians out there, have you ever had any kind of advice or anything that you've been given that you've kind of applied for your own work? Oh, for sure. I have a ton of things that I've either had advice or I've just learned the hard way. The first <laughs> one is, music and guitar playing it is not a competition mm-hmm. it's only what it really is is it's an individual personality playing the music that they love because one of the things i think that really can stop a player from growing and stop a player from achieving their potential is feeling as if they're in a contest with their friend or someone they meet at the music store or a, a rival band you know mm-hmm everyone's on their own path. And one of the biggest things I learned from when I was a kid is, you know, no two guitar players are the same. No one's, you know, trajectory is the same and it's really toxic. And there's still a lot of people that I know that want to draw comparisons to themselves and their peers or whatever. It's to me, it feels like a waste of time because you are uniquely you. And of course, everyone's vowing for, to play shows and, you know, to get on certain festivals and make records, keep going, push for that. But just remember that we're all kind of in this together. It's like, 
you know, you're playing guitar. It's like, you want to have more peers and friends than, you know, it's not like no one's your enemy. It's like, <laughs> that's one of the big things. It's not a competition. It's, it's a lot more fun when everyone's friends and helps each other allies. And then the other one is don't take yourself too seriously because the moment you start to do that is the moment that nothing's ever good enough. You know, you don't, you feel as if you're always trying to achieve an expectation that you're never going to let yourself live to. So that's another thing where like, you know, and I started to have that problem probably five years ago where I would just kind of get down on everything and it would be like, and when your attitude's bad, everything's bad. And what, what really kind of flipped the script for me was when I started to be on tour and, you know, you start to see like, wow, like I've been like kind of in a bad mood for the past month and I've been on tour and I've been traveling the world getting to play music. How lucky am I? So it's like, you know, having that, just don't take yourself too seriously. Have fun because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, that's why we play guitar and music. It's all about having fun. And then the last one is you're going to get criticized. Let it roll off your back because that's another thing that can be really detrimental to someone's potential is letting the criticism, small or big, whatever, to really affect them personally and carrying it. It's, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. And no matter how good you get or how much you achieve your potential, there's always going to be someone that isn't going to like it. And that's okay. The world goes around. So those are my three tips, man. Uh, I get it. I mean, there's the particular one there. It reminds me of, uh, there's, there's been a few musicians where they kind of, they compare themselves to these historic level musicians and they're like, Oh, by this age, he's already done this. Yes. Oh, yes. And, and I've got to be like, I'm like, you can't compare. Like I, I had a friend that was an amazing guitar player. And he said, by my age, Hendrix had already been dead for five years. Well, yeah. Like, yeah. But you know, you're not Jimi Hendrix, like no offense. You're mm. not Jimi and, you know, your career, your trajectory, man, it might take you another 10 years to reach the level you want to reach. But if you keep working at it and you keep being true to yourself, you'll get there. Mm. No, I completely agree. I think, you know, it's just too much pressure to be thinking, oh, I'm, I'm not at Black Sabbath level yet. No, <laughs> way too much pressure. <laughs> um, one question I like to, to always finish on. Um, it's a bit of a hypothetical one. Uh, uh if you could tour with one band from the past and one band from the present, who would they be? Oh, that's a great question. I, <laughs> that's a really hard question, though. Everybody I mean, goes, oh, God. <laughs> if I could tour with one band from the past, oh, man. I, I would probably say mm, someone like, I mean, on a true level, like, yeah, one I always go back to, and I don't know why, but it's like Leonard Skinner, like heyday Leonard Skinner, or even, you know, I'm trying to think of other bands of the, of the past. I mean, I'd like to tour with everyone, Cream, Hendrix, all of that good stuff, but like a real band that I feel like could be a party tour. I'm going to say Skinner in their prime. Mm. That would be a super fun tour. Yeah, like an original. Uh, yeah, original lineup, old mm. school. Let me think from the, from, from now, there's so many people I would really like to tour with a band like government mule. I'd like to tour with, uh, the rival sons. I think that would be super fun. Um, of course, like guns and roses would be cool. Um, 
I'm trying to think of other bands. Man, there's so many. I mean, I just love to tour, so there's so many. I'll, I'll say I'll say Guns N' Roses for now because mm. I think that that would be a cool band. Even in 2023, that would be so much fun and so cool to tour with Guns N' Roses. Mm. I mean, I can't imagine going out to a, a Guns N' Roses crowd. I mean, man, you know, that'd be so cool. <laughs> you would. Um, well, thank you very much for joining me anyway, Jared. And, hey, um, man, thanks for having me. That's <laughs> cool. And of course, for those that want to, to check out the new album, um, the link is in the description to, uh, below to either purchase or stream or do whatever you do. Um, and yeah, I'll uh, probably see you soon at some point, Jared. <laughs> I'll see you soon, man. Thanks for everything. And uh, thanks everyone for tuning in and see you down the road.